Uh, right, well, if you'd just like to open your Bibles at uh, 1 Peter, if you remember, we started with just a very, very short passage today. Um, the first two verses of the first chapter of the first letter of Peter. So today we're thinking about Peter, the letter writer. Uh, and I'm not sure, have you translated 1 Peter into Gebeah? You have already? Good. Okay. Would you like to read the first? <laughs> I won't put that on you. Okay. Uh, we're grateful that we have it translated from the Greek here into a language that we can understand English. Um, so open your Bibles there. And I just want to ask you, first of all, do you write letters? Anyone still write letters? You know, with, with, with pen and paper, right? Some people still do. Uh, I guess most of you write emails or um, something of that nature, or maybe you communicate with all sorts of other media. But uh, letters are great, aren't they? Um, So think of a letter that you've written written recently. And um, what kind of thing was... What was the purpose of that letter? A thank you. Yeah, thank you letter. An encouragement letter, yeah. Sorry? Pen friends, so you're just communicating generally, uh, keeping friendship, keeping a relationship going. Uh, sorry? Um, Karen's been writing letters about people who sponsor children in Kenya, not, not uh, Central African Republic. Giving information, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've actually been involved in writing a letter of complaint, but I won't go into that. Uh, it wasn't to do with anything within the church. It wasn't to do anything within the church, I have to say. Uh, but, you know, um, sometimes a letter has to, do, has to say strong things. Um, yeah, so letters have all sorts of different purposes. Um, and this is a letter. Let's not forget that most of the New Testament is letters written by one particular person to a particular audience uh, for a particular purpose. So uh, let's have a look at at the way this letter is written. And it's probably written in a different way to our letters because our culture is different. It starts off with the person sending it. Don't you think that's a good idea? We usually sign our letters at the end. So you've got to wade through the letter and go to the end to find out who's writing it. Uh, But actually, uh, you know, the way that they did it in the first century was to start off by just announcing who the person is. Peter! This is the first letter of Peter. Um, In other words, this is Rocky. This is Peter the Rock. That's what his name means. It's a letter from Rocky uh, to all the people that he's writing to. Um, Notice he he actually addresses himself as Peter and not Simon Peter. And I think there's a good reason for that. He's saying actually the old is gone. This is the new Peter. This is Peter the Rock who's been renamed by Jesus who is writing to the church. Um, Peter at one time was a bit of a stumbling block to Jesus, wasn't he? You know, Jesus said, get behind me. Get behind me at one time. Uh, uh, But then, actually, when Peter had been reinstated, Jesus says, I'm going to call you the rock. And on this rock, this this, uh, confession that you've made, uh, I'm going to build my church. So it's Peter. It's that Peter, the fisherman, with, with size 12 feet. It, it's, it's that Peter that he's now writing uh, as one of the leaders of, of the church. But he goes on to describe himself in a, a, a bit more fully. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle. How do you sign your letters? Uh, you know, 
don't know whether Paul, you would write Paul, Paul accountant or whatever. Uh, but Peter doesn't mention his job. He, he mentions his calling. Peter, an apostle. And an apostle means a sent one. Somebody who has been sent and he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. So um, he's telling us what his purpose is. He's been sent and he's giving us his identity and his authority by saying, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. So Peter is writing um, about Jesus. He's writing, if you like, on behalf of Jesus. Jesus has been uh, crucified uh, and risen again some quite number of years. I'm not going to even enter into any discussion of when this letter was written, but it was sometime later in Peter's life when he was already established as an apostle, um, 30 years perhaps after Jesus has died. And he is writing on behalf of of Jesus. And notice, um, he only addresses the readers as himself. I three times in the whole letter. Um, He's just writing as if he's writing from Jesus to the church. Uh, He only uses the word I in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 11, when he says, I urge you. He only uses it again in 5.1 when he says, I appeal to you. And then right at the end, he says, I have written. This is not about Peter, this letter. It's from Peter, but it's not about Peter. Now, uh, Paul talks quite a lot about his relationships with people in his letters, but Peter doesn't mention any of that. He's simply writing about Jesus and about he's writing to encourage the church. This is a letter of encouragement uh, because the church, we'll see in a minute, uh, needed encouragement. Okay, that's the first thing. That's who it's from. Who's it to? Um, to God's elect. God's elect. You are God's elect, actually. So, in a real sense, Peter is writing to us today. Peter had no idea, actually, who would read his letter, uh, because once letters are sent out and copied, they, uh, they're going to have a very wide circulation, as this letter has. And here we are, 2,000 years later, it's been copied, and it's been translated, uh, and here it is in, in, our, in our hands. Um, to God's elect. So, it's got a from... And it's got a two. Now, Karen got into trouble the other day because when she went on the wow item... No, it's all right, Karen. She didn't get into trouble with me. When she went on the wow trip along the canal, um, she bought a postcard and she sent it to our granddaughter. Posted it first class. It arrived two days later. Um, But she got told off by Miriam, who's five and a half, by the way, because it didn't say to Miriam. It said, Dear Miriam. <laughs> she didn't think it was proper that it didn't say to Miriam. Uh, so isn't that strange what people are expecting? Um, but, but Peter's quite clear. It's to God's elect. And uh, actually that word in Greek, eklektois, actually means we're an eclectic lot. Let's just, just have a look round at us. Goodness me. What an eclectic bunch. I mean, are you just looking at me? I mean... Um, we are, we are eclectic, aren't we? We're, we're all different. Uh, you know, we've, we've different uh, in every kind of way. There's no two people here who are the same. Even when uh, Adrian's daughters, who are twins, are here, they're both different. Uh, we're, all, we're all quite unique. But we are chosen and gathered. And this word eclectic 
kind of covers that, the fact that we've been chosen and gathered together. Now, Baptist churches are particularly gathered churches. Uh, We don't necessarily come from any one geographical location, and Fifehead Baptist Church is a good example of that. We live in a number of villages, and if you have a look at the photo board, you'll see they tried to be. I tried to arrange the pictures, which is slightly updating actually, uh, roughly where people come from. We're gathered and we come here today. Sometimes actually in the village, you might hear comments, well, they don't all come from our village. Okay, but actually that's true, but some of us do. Uh, but we come here and we do try to serve the village as well. Hence, I mean, running the cafe. Say to people, if it was only the people from Five Head who were here, we wouldn't have the resources to do that, would we? But we, anyway, that's a complete digression. You are chosen and gathered. Have you ever been chosen? I remember when I was secondary school and it was time for football. Yeah, the the, the two captains were chosen, and they're there up the front. And they're, and they're saying, I'll have David, he's a great footballer. I'll have uh, John over there. I'm going... <laughs> uh, and always the last to be chosen for football. Mind you, the first to be chosen for athletics, because I'd run fast. But, but, I, but I couldn't play football. So, you know, it's, it feels bad to be the last one to be chosen, doesn't it? But it does feel good if you've been chosen. So I hope you feel good today. Because God has chosen you. So the people that Peter is writing to are the chosen people of God. Um, But he goes on to say, you're chosen, you're uh, elect, but you're strangers. And you're scattered. So that tells us something very important about the congregation. Um, You know, Peter was based um, for much of his life in Jerusalem. Whereas Paul and Barnabas went off on trips around the whole area, Peter spent a lot of his time in Jerusalem working with the Jewish people. Um, But he is writing to people who are scattered all over the place. Um, Now, in actual fact, this uh, translation doesn't bring out, uh, we've got here, God's elect strangers in the world, doesn't bring out the meaning, perhaps, as it would if we used an original word, which is actually um, exiles of the diaspora. That word, scattered, diaspora, spread out. Um, so initially, um, Peter is, is writing as if he's talking to a people in exile. And the, the thoughts would perhaps go right back for the, people, for the Jewish people to the way that Jeremiah wrote to them when they were exiles in Babylon because some of them remain back in Jerusalem uh, and Jeremiah wrote a letter to the exiles to encourage them. These are people that have been taken away from home, scattered throughout the world and in fact the whole Jewish people had been scattered since 586 BC when Jerusalem fell and the Babylonians took over most of the Jewish people left and were scattered Uh, some of them stayed there and uh, obviously after the, uh, after the return of ex- from exile, some of them went back, but not all of them. Some of them still stayed across the world. And then when Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70, all of the Jewish people were scattered all over the world, as they are today. But of course many have returned to the land. So they're still a scattered people. And uh, Peter goes on to say where they're scattered. Pontus, well done Mary for these by the way, Pontus. 
Galatia, that will ring a bell, won't it? Galatia, Paul wrote a letter to the Galatians. On all of his journeys, Paul travelled through Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. So this is the kind of area where uh, this uh, letter is being sent to all around Asia Minor, current Turkey, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Asia doesn't mean what it means to us today. Um, Bithynia, Turkey, five Roman provinces, Um, Now, Peter is addressing his audience as Jews because all the language he's using about diaspora and exiles would be very, very familiar to the Jewish people. Um, Just like Jeremiah writing. Um, But his his communities would would have been mixed communities. Uh, You know, sometimes people form a community of just their own people. You know, the, the Welsh, when they went to South America, Patagonia... Okay, uh, the Patagonia, in, 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 there's a community of Welsh people that is entirely Welsh. Uh, like in, in, in Spain, there are communities of expats that are all British and they eat fish and chips, but they live in Spain. You know what I mean? But I don't think, actually, uh, that's exactly what's required here. Um, in the book of, uh, there's, a, there's an apocryphal book called the book of Baruch, which uh, Baruch was Jeremiah's secretary. So this is not actually in our Bible, it's in the canon, it's in the Deuterocanonical books. Uh, and Baruch, uh, the scribe to Jeremiah, is written as saying, I will scatter this people among the Gentiles that they may do good to the Gentiles. What is the purpose of the Jewish people? Was it just to be a holy nation and to stay in the same place? Come on, tell me. What was, what was uh, the original covenant call with Abraham? Is to Bless the nations. You will be a blessing to all peoples, to all nations. So the Jewish people were always intended to be scattered and to go and bless all of the nations. And that's exactly... In our prayer meeting uh, on Tuesday, uh, you were called to live such good lives among the pagans that they will see your good works and give glory to God. So wherever you are scattered, whichever village you've been scattered to, not everyone can live in the holy city of Fivehead. Um, You know, um, we went back to Totterdown yesterday in Bristol and it's nice to be there and meet people that we've recognised. Wherever you're scattered, we are called to live lives in order to bless the people around us. But you know, a number of verses in this letter... Uh, although it, it seems to be written with a Jewish kind of flavour, a lot of them are talking about people who uh, actually implies were Gentiles. Listen to this, one fourteen: As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires when you lived in ignorance. Uh-huh. So uh, what about one uh, eighteen? Um, you know that it was peri- not with perishable things that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed to you from your forefathers. Well, you know, who's that talking about? doesn't sound quite the same. Uh, 121, through them you believe in God who raised him from the dead, and so your faith and hope are in God. These people are certainly people who are grounded in a faith in God. Um, But he goes on to say in 2.10, once you were not a people, but now you are a people. He's quoting, actually, from the prophet Hosea. 
Uh, and uh, so th- I would say that there's, there's, there's a kind of a very mixed community that are going to be reading this letter. Um, Mike and I might have a conversation about this later, um, which will be really good. Um, but clearly, we're reading it today, and we're not Jewish. Um, but he's certainly writing it in tones as if he's writing to scattered Jews. But of course, the churches were now being filled with people who are Gentiles. And um, if, you, um, if you think about a very important event that happened in Jerusalem, you can read about it in Acts chapter 15, the Council of Jerusalem. It was about the time when lots of Gentiles, that's the people, people who were not Jews, were coming to faith. And there was a problem, because some of the, the strict Orthodox Jewish people were saying, well, these people are becoming to faith, so they've got to be circumcised, they've got to become Jews, because this is a Jewish religion. And some of them, Paul and Barnabas, were saying, well, no, that, that shouldn't be the case. Because, you know, they're coming to faith in Jesus Christ does not mean they're becoming a Jew. They're believers, yes. So you have Jewish believers and Gentile believers. And at that conference, they made a very important decision that you did not have to become a Jew to be a Christian. Yes. Great. But if you're a Jew, then once you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, you are a believer. And we're all kind of one together. So at that meeting, Paul and Barnabas who had had experience of Gentiles becoming to, coming to faith, met with Peter, James and John, the Jerusalem contingent, who were basically preaching to Jews, and they came to the conclusion that all believers should be treated the same. There is no distinction between Jew and Gentile, and Paul will go on to say slave and free, male and female, we're all one in Christ Jesus. But then if we just go back a little bit, Peter had an amazing vision, didn't he? Because Peter was one of those who said, well, actually, this has got to be for Jews. And one day he was on top of his house and and he had a vision of a great net that was laid down and in it were all sorts of animals which the Jewish people would see were unclean. And the voice said, take and eat, Peter. He said, I can't do that. I've never ate anything unclean. And the voice said, do not call unclean those things that God has made clean. And Peter realised that was a vision that was going to tell him that the gospel was for the Gentiles as well as the Jews. And then shortly after that, some Gentile Roman soldiers come and say, we've been looking for a man called Peter. Where is he? And Peter was convinced at that point. So Peter already had this experience when he met the council and the conclusion is the gospel is for everyone. Peter says in verse 34, I now know... God does not show favouritism. Isn't that good? Remember that little quotation that I I read to you from children's letters from God. Um, Dear God, are boys better than girls? I know you are one, but try to be fair. (laughs) Boys and girls, uh, adults, children, you know, plumbers or accountants, there is no difference. God does not show favouritism between different nationalities or anything. So the elect is defined here. Here is the elect. It is defined chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Now there's a big subject. We're not going to go into predestination now, except to say that when God created the world, he, he already had in his mind a vision of a relationship with all people. And Christ 
uh, died. uh, In fact, the Jewish people were formed that God might relate to everybody in all nations. Jesus died because that vision had broken down because of the way it had been interpreted. Jesus died for all people. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's a universal gospel for all people. But actually, you know, in God's mind, he had in mind you and me. Even before we were born. Isn't that amazing? I can't understand that, but... Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, when we came to God, we were not fit to be part of his people. But through the work of his Spirit, and then it goes on to say, through obedience to Jesus Christ, I think that was in the reading that was read out in Gebeah, wasn't it? Um, And by sprinkling with his blood, well, there's a very Jewish kind of thing, isn't it? That Moses sprinkling the blood in the temple, and now it's the blood of Jesus being sprinkled and the sanctifying work, you are the people of God. What are you? We are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood, sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. We are a holy nation. Who do we belong to? Oh, come on. Belonging to God. We've been singing it enough times in that song, you know. People, people complain about repetitive songs, but sometimes it's good because they, words go in. We are, a, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation belonging to God. So, there is one people of God, and actually this is consistent with Paul's teaching. Because you know in Paul's letters, he talks about an olive tree, a wild olive, and, which is the Jewish people. But he says that the Gentiles have been grafted into that tree. So we've actually become part of the same tree. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with the writings of a man called David Stern. I expect you are. Um, he talks about the way that the branches were going at one point in history away from each other. But now they're coming together so that all the branches, whether of Jewish or Gentile stock, are coming into the same olive branch grafted into the root, which of course is God and through Christ. One people of God. And the mark of being part of that people is baptism. Baptist churches are not unique, um, but baptism is important. It is the mark that you've come from one, from darkness into light, from death to life. That's what baptism is all about. So, coming to the conclusion, folks, here. We are chosen That is about our relationship with God. It's a privilege to sit here knowing that we've been chosen by God. You know, we're not standing at the back going, me, 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 choose me. He's already chosen us. Of course, we had to choose to follow. You know, when when Jesus called Peter, Peter could have said, nah, I'm going to stick to fishing. He chose to follow, but he was pre-chosen by Jesus. What a privilege. But we're also strangers. We're strangers in our relationship to society. And we're finding that more and more, are we not, in our current uh, Christian uh, ethics and values are being changed, are being in society. And we are therefore strangers and aliens in a world that doesn't recognise some of the things that we do. So there's a privilege of being chosen by God, but there's a disadvantage in being uh, strangers. And so, in many senses, this is written to us. 
isn't it? This letter is as relevant to us today as it ever was when Peter wrote to the scattered diaspora 2,000 years ago. It's a letter of encouragement. He hasn't mentioned yet that these people are suffering. Uh, He mentions that later in the letter, um, but they are. And he's writing, and uh, no doubt if you've travelled across the world and seen Christian communities in many places suffering very badly for the gospel, particularly northern Nigeria, um, where you'll be familiar. Um, I saw it in the news this morning, actually. The German government have now issued uh, warnings that that Jewish men should not wear kippahs in public. That is the the skullcap. Anti-Semitism is on the rise such that they're advising men not to wear them because it attracts attention. Well, I don't know what you'd do if that were the case. But that is advice that's been given by the German government, which is in BBC News today. And so finally, and you'll be pleased about this, um, a greeting. It's who it's from. It's from Peter. It's to the scattered, chosen, elect aliens in the world, the diaspora. The greeting, grace and peace. What a... So many of Paul's letters have grace and peace. Two things that we need. We need to know the peace of Christ. We need to be a people of peace that seek peace with one another. But we need grace because we get on each other's nerves sometimes. You know, we rub it up up the wrong way. And I dare say, even in missionary teams, there are relationship problems. You know, all these people are dedicated to God. Yeah? Thank you. The biggest reason that people leave missionary work is they don't get on with other missionaries. Hey, the Bible is the same all the way through, from Adam and Eve, isn't it? Right the way through. Um, But I I always say the the advantage is that if that hadn't happened in churches, we would only have the Gospels, we wouldn't have any of the letters in the New Testament, because they're nearly all about sorting out problems in the church. So there there we go. Uh, Peter says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. In fact, he says, yours many times over. Isn't that great? We need grace to put up with one another, bear with one another in love. We need peace, the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. We need that to live out our lives as the chosen people who are strangers in the world.